0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end user experience issues, regardless of where IT workloads or users are located, and by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market, and also by PolicyPack Software, who enable you to use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. Let's get into some news. Nord VPN, which is a very popular VPN service, have confirmed they have experienced a breach. TechCrunch.com reported that they have admitted to a breach occurring at a rented data center in Finland. They claim a remote management system was used to gain unauthorized access. This system belonged to the data center, not them, and they were unaware of its use. They have not named the company, however, who owns the data center. So I guess take that for what it is. NordVPN have stated, quote, The server itself did not contain any user activity logs. None of our applications send user-created credentials For authentication, so usernames and passwords couldn't have been intercepted either. They state they discovered the breach a few months ago but didn't disclose until this week because they wanted to ensure they are 100% secure before going public. NordVPN confirmed it had installed intrusion detection systems, a popular technology that companies use to detect early breaches, but, quote, no one could know about an undisclosed remote management sy- system left by the provider," end quote. It has also been reported that TorGuard VPN has also been breached. This week, a lot of people are flipping out over the news that Microsoft is going to enable self-service app purchasing within their Power Platform. The Power Platform includes Power BI, Power Apps, and Flow. SDNet have reported that self-service purchase capabilities for those products will be turned on automatically starting in November. This means that administrator approval won't be required or even offered the option of requiring the administrator approval when it comes to purchases by individual end users of the Power Platform products. Users will have to make the purchases themselves on their own credit cards, but it's not really a monetary concern so much for admins, but a control, supportability, and security concern. Administrators will have a view of all self-service purchases made within their tenants. The self-service will become available for users in the U.S. starting in November and will deploy more widely in December. The self-service purchasing option will not be available for government, nonprofit, or education customers. This week, ZDNet reported on more issues with Microsoft's MFA, multi-factor authentication service, that lasted just over three hours. The root cause analysis for this states, The trigger of the issue was severe packet loss between Microsoft and a third-party service. The packet loss occurred in a network external to Microsoft, but on the route to the third-party service. The packet loss was greater in severity and duration than previously measured. The combination of a severe packet loss and morning peak load in North America resulted in Azure MFA service degradation in North American data centers. Azure MFA in the rest of the world did not experience a degradation of service. End quote. Microsoft officials go on to say, quote, changes have been made to improve resilience and throttling to better protect against similar issues connecting to third-party services. And also, we are accelerating work that was already in progress, which is designed to protect against the total loss of connection to the third-party communication service, end quote. I guess all you can really ask is that they don't make the same mistakes twice. mspoweruser.com have noted that a version of the Chromium-based Edge browser labeled as stable can now be found online, which which may be an indication that the much-praised browser could soon be generally available. The former CEO of SAP, Bill McDermott, has been announced as the new CEO of ServiceNow. TechCrunch.com reports that Wall Street did not appear to like this news, however, as the stock was down 5.84% in early after-hours trading on the news. It's a very interesting pivot for him. They are two very vastly different companies. Personally, I like ServiceNow as a product. It's pretty good compared to some of the woeful competitors in that space. Citrix XenApp and XenDesktop version 7.15 CU5 has been released. Should be of interest to any of you on the LTSR releases. And in the release, some of the notes of fixes include an issue with app V apps being erroneously removed from the VDAs has been fixed. An error adding machines to a machine catalog has also been fixed. Interestingly, a memory leak issue that occurs in Citrix High Availability Service when you restart a VDA has been fixed too. That one sounds a little worrying. I actually reached out to my Citrix TRM on that one because I was a little bit concerned about it. And I was told that it only affected a single customer. So hopefully that one is not too much of a concern for most of us. Also fixed was a failure when stopping the Citrix broker service, which is pretty concerning too. Uh, There were many more fixes, but actually to me at least, the list seems smaller than in other cumulative updates. David Pisa on Twitter shared a pretty funny line from the notes. And that is, when you change the client-side resolution, certain legacy applications like Citrix Studio may be redrawn incorrectly in a seamless session. Seemingly, there's an admission right there that Citrix Studio is whack, and they know it. ZDNet have reported a pretty significant exploit of SQL version 11 and version 12. Hackers are able to create a backdoor mechanism that can let them connect to any account by using a, quote, magic password, end quote. And when the magic password is used, connection details within the database are no longer logged. So it would be very hard to trace that intrusion. The article states version 12, which is SQL 2014, is the most widely used version in enterprise. This is a pretty nasty exploit. If used, they can pretty much run roughshod over your database and its data. There is no word on a fix at this time. Well, you hate to see it. And this week, the Tennessean reported on a local story there, a software update issue all but halted service at their driver's license facilities throughout Tennessee. They stated the issue was caused by a Windows Server update. They stated by 3 p.m., 80% of the facilities were functioning again. The facilities opened at 8.30 a.m., however, so it was a pretty much a lost day for customers and staff alike. The software issue impacted the entire system, which included card issuance, use of iPads, and credit card payments. You got a feel for that IT team. I wonder what their patching plan is. One would think that the pilot group of machines should have shown problems first. Anyway, it's not for me to speculate or second guess people that I don't know, I just sympathize with them. Microsoft are now accepting applications to join the App Attach Preview. A new modern approach to application delivery that promises integration with MSIX and possibly no longer requiring repackaging of applications at all. I'm looking forward to trying it out, and you should sign up too. I'll share a link for the sign up with this episode, which is episode 95, on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. It'll also be in the description for this podcast episode on your podcast platform of choice. I reported on the launch of Droplet Computing's container product a few months ago. They've been very busy. I've noticed that they were showing off integration with Amazon AWS AppStream a couple of weeks ago, and this week they're showing off that their product is running on iGel Thin Clients. It's pretty cool stuff. You want to keep up on Droplet Computing, and I know I will, and cover it on the podcast in future. So hey, just listen to the podcast and you'll hear about it. Yubico login for Windows is now generally available. It provides multi-factor authentication to users logging on to local accounts on Windows devices. It is not for online accounts like Azure Active Directory, Active Directory, and Microsoft accounts, though Yubico has options for these types of accounts too. If you're not familiar with Yubico, they're very popular, and I know that Aristechnica, which is probably my favorite tech news site, sends these to subscribers of the site, so they're pretty cool stuff. Google Chrome version 78 has been released. I covered this quite a lot on previous episodes of the podcast, so I'm not going to go wax lyrical on it again, but it will bring interesting features like a mandatory dark mode, or a default dark mode rather, uh, DNS over HTTPS, which I think has a limited scope for users initially, and much more. If you're wondering what DNS over HTTPS is, listen to the last few episodes of the podcast. I talk about it at pretty good length in a previous episode of the podcast. And now the weekly webinar. This week's webinar is courtesy of mycugc.org, which you should check them out regularly as they constantly have really great webinars. In this session, CTAs, which are Citrix Technology Advocates, Chris Twist, I hope I got the name right, sorry if I didn't, and Chris Jukin, I hope I got that name right too, sorry guys, Um, they'll share their views on automating and scripting Windows 10 multi-user in combination with Citrix Cloud. They will outline the goals and rules for this scripting project and go into the issues they ran into along the way. They will also share tips and things to watch out for and the benefits of automating, including stability, less room for error, and consistent deployment. The session also includes a demo of the resulting PowerShell script, and there will be time provided for questions and answers. It's titled Automating Citrix Cloud and Windows Virtual Desktops. It's going to be held on Wednesday, October 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern, and you can sign up now. And now this episode, Scripts, Tricks, and Tips. Thanks go to my buddy Steve Elgin for bringing this first tip to my attention. Adam the Automator, who I follow on Twitter and you should too, has a really great blog post on using PowerShell to automate creating users in Active Directory. The article includes some pretty interesting methodology, including using account templates and includes some of the gotchas about using that method too. It's pretty clear and comprehensive post. I suggest you check it out. And for a second week in a row, I'm also featuring a PowerShell script from Aaron Parker, though technically I think last week's was a module. Uh, This time he has a PowerShell script for creating... Logics rule sets for masking Microsoft Office applications, which I think I've mentioned it multiple times now, but if you're a Microsoft Enterprise customer, you own FS Logics. The app masking is really powerful and really simple to use. And obviously Microsoft Office components or applications are going to be quite common. So, use Aaron's PowerShell script and you're already ahead of the game. And finally, Johan Arvidmark posted an incredibly detailed post of a step-by-step guide on how to build the perfect Windows Server 2019 reference image. I haven't turned my home lab on since April. I just realized that today. This is the kind of thing I need to do. It'd be very useful to go in and build that Server 2019 reference image and just start deploying off of that rather than manually deploying 2019 to all of my Intel looks. I've only deployed one server 2019 machine so far since its release. I've just had too little time and honestly, too little dams to give at the moment. I've just been too flat out with work. But hey, if that describes you and you're kind of in this frustrated position that I am that you want to get out there and start trying the latest products and to have your own lab that maybe has fallen by the wayside, This could be a quick leg up for you and for me. And that's it for another episode. Thank you all so much for listening.